I think I mentioned this story Sunday, or excuse me, Wednesday. Taylor is a small child, four or five years old. He, I come home from work, working construction, and uh, he's, he's, Dad, can we do this? Dad, can we do that? Can we do this? Can we do that? How many parents do we have in the building? You know, that's what kids do. <clears throat> and so he's wearing me out, and I'm like, not now, son, I got to do this. And I legitimately had things to do, and so I couldn't get to him yet. And after a while, he, he showed out. I don't remember what it was, but he did something wrong. He got in trouble. And after he got in trouble, and, and, and I don't know, my dad always says, Drew, you shouldn't admit this stuff on Facebook. He got a spank, okay? He got a little spank. It didn't kill him. He's still here. And uh, <laughs> he got a spank. But after he spanked, I hate spanking my kids. I absolutely despise it. It's in the Word of God. But I hate doing it, but I know it's necessary. He got a spank. And after he left the room, God spoke to me. He said, that one's on you. And I was like, God? Now, wait a minute, God. He was bad. He did something wrong. He got a spank from... He didn't get beat up, Sister Margaret. I mean, he just like... He didn't get beat up. He wouldn't be the way he is if he got beat up a little bit more, wouldn't he? Just kidding. God told me, he said... You're the blame for that one. And God spoke just as clear to me. It wasn't an audible voice, but it was right here in my heart. He said, kids, he was talking to me about my kids in, in particular. They'll get your attention one way or another. Sometimes God gets our attention one way or another. You don't want to pay attention to him. Life's going good. We want to live our life free and fancy. I'm young. I want to drive fast cars and take chances, Shelley said. That's the way we get. We want to do things out of the flesh. We want to do things for ourselves. And sometimes God gets our attention. He gets our attention. He loves us so much. And he shows us through his word. God gave his only son to humanity so that we can be with him for eternity. 2 Peter 3 and 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. I love promise. We preached on that last Sunday. I love the promises of God. As some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God loves us so much, he doesn't want one soul to lose out on heaven. He wants everyone to come to repentance. He wants everyone to go to heaven and, and live with him forever. And I say that if you're around here at all, you know I say this all the time. You're going to live forever. You get to choose, is it heaven or hell? I heard one preacher say it's either smoking or non-smoking. Non-smoking is what I would prefer. God doesn't want anyone to die and to go into eternity without him. We look at Joshua 24 and 15. It says, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Hallelujah. We have to make a choice who we're going to serve. Are we going to serve the flesh or are we going to serve the Lord? We have to be willing to make a choice, and that choice needs to be Jesus. As for me and Shelly, my boys, we will serve the Lord. Now I have a daughter-in-law. As for me and my house, she will serve the Lord. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I claim it. I prophesy it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Not making a choice to live for God is making a choice to live for the flesh. Well, you know, Brother Drew, I don't want to be as fanatical as you are. And uh, shouldn't have to go to church so many times. Shouldn't have to read my Bible that much. Shouldn't have to read that much. God still loves me. He created me, didn't he? How many know relationships don't work like them? God loves you and I, and he wants the best for us. But we have to give control to God and let God drive our lives. How many loves to be driven around by someone else? There's a few people that like that. I don't. I don't like someone else to drive me. And there's a perfectly good reason for this. I get car sick. Okay? And it used to be when I was a kid, it was only in the back seat. If they'd let me ride up front, I was fine. I could see out. I wouldn't get sick. And now I ride with Shelly sometimes. And, and the other day she makes a turn and we go down. And I already knew where our destination was. We were going to Blaze Pizza. And uh, she makes this turn. And I was like, where are you going? She goes, Blaze Pizza. I said, then why did we go this way? Why did the, she goes, there's more than one way to blaze peace. I said, yeah, they're all wrong except for my way. You should have went that way back there. True story. That was last week. We're still in love. I'll just tell you. We're still in love. We have to let God drive our life. Most of you know that if you don't let God drive, the backseat driving doesn't work. Once again, I'll use Shelly as an example. We were driving along today, Shelly behind me, Peyton sitting next to me, Carton over here in the back, and uh, somebody slammed on their brakes in front of me, and I slammed on my brakes, and I'm still, I don't know, Peyton, what a car or two away from hitting them. And all of a sudden, I, hear, I feel something hit the back of my head. I was like, well, what in the world was that? I said, you hit me? She goes, I didn't hit you. She pushed on my headrest so hard, and the headrest hit me. I was like, easy back there. So all day long, how many seen Back to the Future? I've been calling her Biff all day long. She's been the bully all day long. So I've just been, ease up back there, uh, Biff. Don't, don't beat me up. Backseat driver. We have to be willing to trust God and let him take control of our lives, even when we want to drive it ourselves. When we're in control, we seem to be making the same mistake that's held us back before. Here we are back at the same mistake. The, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. But that's the way we do it. Well, you know what? I think this time it'll work. I had a cousin one time we were playing football in the yard and he always had a play. I think this play where we'd get down the dirt, he'd draw it. He said, it's a little risky, but I think it'll work. That's the way we are. God, I'm going to show you how we're going to do this because I want to drive for a little bit. And it's a little risky, but I think it'll work. You'll put your hand on it, Father. It'll be okay. We need to let God be out front. We need to lift him high and keep him lifted up. Magnifying him 
in our lives. We need to become the children that prays, that worships, that follows after our Father like we were created to be. We were created to worship Him. We were created to praise Him. And that's what He wants us to be. And that's what we need to long for. Amen. Amen. Don't get out in front of God. Follow after God. We have to stay focused and determined. We can't lose sight of that fact. I told the Facebook watchers on Wednesday night that I used this little used to exercise just a little bit, and I, I would go jogging. I think I may have mentioned this to our prayer team the other day. I would go jogging, and what I would do, we'd, we would take our car, and I think it was like a 1980 Impala or something, pea green, and we'd drive it, and we'd find out where a mile was at. We'd put something out there, and then we'd go back to the church or wherever we was at, and then us boys would all take off and jog to that marker. We knew that was a mile. And so we'd run that mile. If you ever jog outside, you know every once in a while dogs gets after you, right? I'm not a pet owner. I'm not a pet hater. But I am a, 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 a hater of dogs chasing and trying to bite me. It's kind of my same fear as, as sharks. I don't, I'm, not fear, I'm not scared of sharks, just of them biting me. So anyway, I noticed when I was jogging, there'd be a dog, you know, come, come barking out at us and everything. And when you do that, when I turned to look at him, no longer am I running this way, I start to veer off. Or if he's on this side, whichever way my head was turning, my body started going that way. It's the same way with Jesus. When we start looking to another direction, looking to another way to do it, start looking back at what we used to do. Stop, start looking over here to see what someone else is doing. We get off track. We're not focused like we need to be on God. We're not focusing in on Him. Every time you look back, I'm very, I also found out this, this works in the car too. So I'm driving down the road and I look back to see what in the world Cardin's doing and where that noise is coming from. The next thing I know, I'm hearing the rumble strips. Somehow when I turn this way, the steering wheel goes with me. Got to be careful of that one. We have to stay focused. Have to stay focused. Can I tell you that it's impossible to see what the Lord has for you when you're turned and looking back? I wrote a song, that title, one, one time years ago. Impossible to see what the Lord has to, for you when you're doing this. We have to stay focused. We have to stay focused. Okay, here we go. I've been practicing some of these words. She's laughing at me. The first one's easy, Colossians. Philemon. I got that one from the Greek. That's how they said it in the Greek right there, Philemon. So it was actually like a moan. Philemon. I just it sounded like a hillbilly had did that one. So in Colossians 4:14, we see him named by the name of Demas. As Paul's closing out his letter, Paul says, Luke, the beloved physician. And Demas greets you. Now, what we learned about this man, Demas, he was a preacher. He was a minister. And he was with Paul. And he was helping Paul. All right? And Philemon is a book in the New Testament with only one chapter. And in that one chapter, Paul, Paul the writer of this letter, states that the man named Demas was his fellow laborer. Okay? So we see this man's a Christ follower. Okay? But in 2 Timothy 4 and 10... Paul said, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. Now, if you look in your Bible and you see the, 
how it's organized, you'll find out maybe this doesn't add up right, and you're thinking, what, what in the world's going on? And so I started looking up the chrono- chronological uh, view of the Bible and how it was written, and their best guess of when these things were written, and you'll see that these two books, uh, Philemon and uh, Colossians, were written before Second Timothy. So we see Christian, Christian, minister, minister, get down here to Second Timothy, he's backslid. Are we following? Are you tracking with me? We see he's the minister. He's my fellow brethren. He's introducing me. And some of the letters, he's telling them goodbye. And Demas is like, you know, I, I told him Wednesday night, I seen a, a Andy Griffith show one time. And uh, Goober was standing by uh, Barney. And Barney says something. He's telling somebody bye. And Goober says, hey, tell him Goober says bye. And so they said, hey, tell him Goober said bye. That's kind of what it reminds me of on some of this. Hey, tell him Demas said bye. So he puts it in the letter. I know you think of you're crazy. A little bit. Dake's reference Bible says this, that Demas was once a minister and a fellow laborer with Paul. He had by this time grown cold in his experience with Christ and had gone back into the world again. Here it is clear to what extent he was backslidden. He loved the present world. Okay, now let's follow along with this. According to 1 John 2, verse 15 through 17, Anyone who loves the world does not have the love of God in him. It's tough, but it's good still yet. If the love of God is not in him, he cannot possibly be saved. And we have examples in John 13, 35, uh, uh, John 14, 15, and verse 23, John 15, verse 9 through 12, 1 Corinthians 16 and 22. All of these are examples of what I just said. It is, is it conceivable that God would take people to heaven who do not love him? It, it, it's not. It's not going to happen. If you don't love Jesus, you're not going to heaven. If you don't love Jesus, you're not going to heaven. Pastor, that's tough. That's mean. That's, that's rude. What if there's sinners in here and they need God? I'm trying to help you. You don't want somebody misleading me. I'm telling you the truth. If you don't love God, you're not going to his heaven. It's simple. All right? If this man did love God at one time, which is clear that he did, in Colossians we see that he did, and Philemon we see that he did, how did he become separated from God's love? According to Romans 8, 35 through 39, nothing can separate us from God's love. So how is Demas now not focused on God, but he's in love with the present world? Is this possible? It is possible because Romans 8, 35 through 39, it doesn't lie. There is nothing that can separate you from God's love. Absolutely nothing. I always look at it just like this right here. My boys, I love them to death. I love them to death. They can do the wrong things, and I continue to love them. Brother Andrew, I continue to love them. I didn't agree with the bad things they did, but I continue to love them. God's love is the same way. He loves us no matter what we do. His love is still there. Nothing separates us from God's love. What separates our relationship and our, our determination on going to heaven is that right there. Because we fall in love with the world and the love of God is no longer in us. We don't love Jesus like we should. Was God responsible for him loving the present world and forsaking Paul? Absolutely not. If not, then who was? Well, we can blame Satan. 
We can blame Demas. But it proves free moral agency after conversion. If we have the power of free choice, then we alone can choose to backslide and fail God. We thus choose our own destiny after salvation as we do before salvation. God did not prepare hell for human beings. He didn't prepare hell for me or you or anyone else. We make that choice. I know it got awfully serious real quick in here, but we need to hear these things. We need to understand these truths. Not one scripture ever suggested that God forces any man to serve him. God doesn't make us serve him. We fall in love with Jesus. We sing a song, falling in love with Jesus. It's the best thing I've ever, ever done. We fall in love with Jesus. He didn't make us love him. What it shows you is proof positive that you can backslide and love this present world. God help us to stay focused. God help us to stay focused that we don't love this present world, that we stay in love with Jesus. It never, it's, it never means that God stopped loving us. Demas shows that the love for the world was in him and the love of God was not. Lord help us. God help us. Do we need a break? I just got a few more minutes. We can take a water break if you need to. If we just had some guys come in, we were like Gatorade bottles, squirt them in your mouth, we'd be all right. Just, just wake up, stay awake for a few more minutes. It doesn't matter who you are in this life. If we take our eyes off Jesus, we're bound for destruction. We've all seen it in our own lives. When we go our own way, we do our own thing. Disaster usually happens. Our text says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Hallelujah. I love that. I love that little part right there. The word finisher means exactly what it sounds like. Jesus will carry us all the way through this life to the end and the world to come. He's the finisher. He's going to finish this thing. Our responsibility is to keep our eyes on Jesus and what he did for us at Calvary. That's our responsibility. It was all paid for at the cross. It was all paid for. I preached a sermon a while ago about what are you looking at? What we're seeing and what we're focused on. And I can't say this enough. If we're not focused on God and his will for our lives, we're in terrible trouble. We are in terrible trouble if we can't stay focused on him. Because when we're focused on something else, we're not focused on the right thing. Whatever we're focused on becomes magnified in our life. Whatever we focus on becomes magnified in our life. When we stop focusing on this and we're focused on something else, whatever we're focused on, whether it's our problems, whether it's an addiction, whether it is a relationship, whether it's finances, whether it's physical, we start focusing on that, we're going to magnify it. It's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And there's only one thing we ought to be magnifying. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. Hallelujah. I wear these glasses here to magnify the words on the page. I use that font size, I think it's 16. New Times Roman. I don't even know. I think this is the number two dollar glass. No, this was a $5 pair from Home Depot. But I think it's the number two. I went from like the, the one to one and a half or one and three quarter, and I'm up to two. So I don't know how far they go up, but I'm going to keep climbing, I guess. Whatever we're focusing on becomes magnified in our lives. When we are stare at something, we bring it into focus more and more until it's magnified in our life. I wear these glasses just for that, just to bring these, these words up. The glasses bring the words into focus. When we are magnifying our problems, it's all we can see 
and all we can think about. It is. We got to get our mind right. Think about the right things. But pastor, you don't understand. You don't understand what's going through. My son's in prison. My daughter's on drugs. My, my dad's an alcoholic. My health is declining. My finances are a wreck. My mind is unstable. The world's gone crazy. Look at COVID-19. It's beating me up. My car's broke down. My spouse walked out on me. Cancer has ravaged my body. My mama had it. My daddy had it. And there's no way it's going to miss me. What are we magnifying? What are we focused on? Pastor Drew, my spouse died. My loved one died. Can I tell you, at one time or another, we've all experienced some of these things. I hope you haven't experienced all of them. But we've experienced some of these things in our life. They're real. We've all experienced turmoil in our lives. We've all had problems. But my question is, is how do you want to respond to it? How do you want to respond to the trouble? How do you want to respond to the things that's going on? Do you want to stay focused on God? Or you want to magnify what's been happening to you? What's happened to you in your past? What's been going on? Parents. Parents work hard to have a better life for their children than what they had for themselves. When they watch us magnify our problems, what are we teaching them? What are we teaching them? I've been saying this recently, too. You're leading somebody to heaven or hell with the way you live your life. I got a solution. Shelly, you can come back if you would. I got a solution. Tell your mountain who your God is. <laughs> Hallelujah. Tell your mountain who your God is. Tell your Jericho. Tell your Red Sea. Tell your Jordan River. Tell your Philistines. Tell your Darius. Tell your Nebuchadnezzar. Tell your giant. Hallelujah. You come to me with a sword and a spear and a shield, but I come to you with the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, the Lord of armies, the God of the army of Israel, whom you have insulted. Today the Lord will hand you over to me. I will strike you down and cut your head off. The whole world will know that Israel has a God because the Lord determines every battle's outcome. He will hand all of you over to us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A solution in 1 Samuel 17 and 45. A solution to our problems. Hallelujah. I thank God that we can keep looking to him. Keep looking to the author and the finisher of our faith. The author is the one that originates or creates something in the beginning. God created. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. And he'll be with us forever. Forever. Would you stand with me? If we'll keep our eyes on Jesus, focused on him, he'll become magnified in our life. God's comfort is closest during our darkest time. That's why it's vital that when we're, things are coming up against us that we look to God the hardest. We find God the most when we're in trouble. Focus in on God. He said if we'll seek Him, that we'll find Him. We've got to go after Him. The Bible says, John 16, that Jesus has overcome the world's trouble. Amen. He said he would comfort us in Isaiah 40. God comforts us in our darkest times, according to Job 35. I want to mention in closing the ending of this verse. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Him being set down refers to the finished work 
of Calvary. The finished work of Jesus. That's what it refers to. He's making intercession for you and I. Tonight, if you have a problem, and we all do, there's always something. I said this morning, it seems like battles and storms come up, and it seems like they just come at us fast and furious. And then it just seems like another one happens, and another one happens, and another one happens. If we'll stay focused on Jesus, if we'll stay focused on what He has for us, if we'll stay focused on what He wants us to do, that's when we're going to see the victory in our lives. Hallelujah. As I pray, would you find your place to pray? Shelly is going to sing for us. Find your place in the altar. Talk to God. Open your mouth. Let Him know what you're feeling. Father,